Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we will be discussing an article titled, Has COVID-19 Impacted Price-Weight Relationships and Value of Gain? This was first published in the Livestock Market Information Center in the Cattle Market Newsletter on April 28th. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dr. Elliot Dennis, who's a livestock marketing economist with the University of Nebraska. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Aaron. Appreciate you being here. The focus of this article is seeking to understand what the potential impact of the COVID-19 disruption has been to the value of gain versus the cost of gain. Give us some perspective on what feeder cattle producers might be looking at as they think about marketing cattle as we move through the summer into the fall and how understanding the relationship between value of gain and cost of gain is pretty important in this kind of scenario. Yeah, the decrease in the cash and even in the futures board across all contracts is seems like there's a lot of conversation happening about retaining animals throughout the summer, finding pasture or potential different grazing alternatives. And so the kind of expectation there is that if I'm putting on weight, you know, I'm going to earn more money. And this, uh, this article where I go in a little bit more in depth is more just kind of explaining that more weight doesn't always equal more money. And that's because of what we call the price weight relationship, where essentially the price per pound that the market is willing to pay you decreases generally exponentially as the weight of that animal increases. So that's when we talk about the price weight relationship. That's what we're talking about. And so really when, when we're making decisions about determining whether we should retain animals either through wintering, that's a fall decision, or retaining animals on grass through the summer, really what we need to fundamentally know is what is our cost of gain and really need to nail that down and, and just really helping producers understand what is the cost of gain. But from, from my perspective is what is the value of the gain? What is a market willing to pay you? And that varies by the week. Like, so this week, the value of gain for putting on weight for a 550 pound animal to sell in September is different than potentially next week. And so really understanding is that value the market is willing to pay greater than our cost of gain? If so, then it looks like a viable alternative and then locking in those margins using some risk management techniques. Talk a little bit about some of the historic data that you've looked at in terms of understanding what has been the relationship between value gain and where folks might go to find more information on that. Producers know this intuitively, but the re- this price weight relationship changes by the time of year, the weight, the sex, and how much weight we're going to be putting on. So when we're talking about a price weight relationship, it's generally very, you know, it's a very broad tool, but it does vary. So what I did in this, in this article was describe a little bit about what does this look like historically for uh, six major locations throughout the U.S. Beef basis is, a, is one of the tools I use. Um, it's a free website for producers. They can go on and, and look at what are some of their backgrounding options, and you can actually go in there and calculate value gain for different places in Nebraska at different weights, different prices. Once again, that's beefbasis.com. It's something that I use to kind of keep up to date. And specifically, I went over the value of gain for the stalker industry. And I looked at Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, Oklahoma, South Dakota, and Texas. And essentially what, what I showed was that 
you know, for this first quarter or, you know, for this first four months of the year, January, February, March, and April, what does 2020 look like this on this price weight relationship compared to the five-year historical average, the 10-year historical average, and then looking at what we call a standard deviation, which would be like an acceptable range of, of movement. What I found was that the structure of the price rate relationship has not changed. And what's really happened with the price rate relationship is it just shifted downwards. And that's really important because what that means is that it's the market is fundamentally discounting cattle the same throughout the price weight relationship. So it's literally just a shift downwards in the price weight relationship. And a lot of people have been concerned that, you know, this is a lot larger than, than what we would expect. And really it's for all these states that I looked at, all of them are pretty much within what we call one standard deviation down on the, on the downward end. And while that's really low, we consider prices back in 2015, that would be the price weight relationship actually moved up during that time as we were in the drought and prices started to skyrocket. And that was at and at sometimes above one standard deviation. So we've kind of experienced in the last 10 years, the shift up in the high uh, feeder cattle prices and producers really benefited from that. And now we're at low prices now, uh, kind of on the other extreme. Give some perspective as we think about where we're sitting today, as we think about what's happened with cattle markets. Fat cattle have not moved through the production chain as quickly as they normally would just due to plant closures and things like that. How can the stocker industry and value of gain kind of help mitigate some of this? And how should producers maybe think about, I'd say, time value of cattle? Meaning, if I have a 550-pound steer today, I've got a lot more time options with him and if I've got a thousand pound steer that really probably needs to go on feed. Yeah, those are great points here. And I, I think when I, when I think through these, some, these options, most of the time I think through what are my available feed resources? What are those costs of those feed resources? And recognizing that the cost of gain that we've maybe historically had is not maybe the cost of gain that producers are currently experiencing. So going back and making sure that we're updating our costs of gain, looking at what the, the market value is willing to pay us, and then calculate, you know, is this, is this viable? And also recognizing that we have, like you said, a lot more options with, you know, 550-pound animals than we do 800, 900-pound animals. I, I personally believe that, you know, we're going to be able to work through some of these packing plant issues really by the beginning to the middle of the fall, in a sense, we're going to start placing more cattle on feed. But the long-term effect on the industry is probably not going to be sorted out till probably beginning to middle of next year. And this is like getting things back to normal, working through, working through the kinks. Big thing that I, I'm a, a proponent of is risk management. You know, so just because we have maybe are seeing the value of, of the market there, really engaging in risk management techniques. And so that's either locking in a forward contract, that's using futures and options, that's using livestock risk protection, so LRP. And I think moving forward, we need to see greater adoption of this by producers if we're going to see financial viability 
moving forward. I think the bomb cyclone, then the Holcomb fire, then COVID-19, the industry, particularly here in Nebraska, has taken a beating all along the supply chain. And just taking a cash price and expecting it to be, you know, what it is in the past, I, I just think as, you know, we're exposing ourselves to a lot of risk there and uh, we get the upside, but we also get the downside like we're experiencing COVID-19 and just kind of some, some thoughts to think about as you're moving forward with some of your marketing plans throughout the summer. I think one of the challenges of an event like this, similar to what we saw with the Holcomb fire is how quickly and drastically prices can change. And I think in some cases, if folks did not have the price protection in place, you know, they're now in a scenario where a profit protection option is really maybe not available to them. How should producers think about that when they're looking at trying to protect a price that really is not going to be a profitable one? Right. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And I think some of it in my mind is shifting a little bit of the mindset that uh, optimal profit doesn't always have to be positive. So I'll repeat that again. Optimal profit doesn't always have to be positive. In situations, if you found producers that found themselves exposed because they, you know, they said my risk management option or method is going to be a cash market sell, which means they benefit from cash market swings up, but they also get hit on cash market swings down. So they're fully price exposed is what we'd say. And they're looking like moving forward. They really can't really take any, you know, what we'd say positive profits into recognizing that, okay, maybe if I'm looking, you know, risking it moving forward, just say, I'm just going to take the cash moving forward, which is, you know, their option they're choosing moving forward. Or I can say rather than losing potentially, you know, $100 per head, maybe I can lock in maybe some, you know, quote profits at negative $5 per head. And maybe it's about minimizing the loss right now rather than saying I, I need to make $100 a head. And so getting through the marketing season, recognizing that maybe we're going to take some losses, but trying to minimize some of those losses. And then as we move forward into the next season, recognizing that, hey, maybe I have to look at my risk management options and, and think about maybe I, maybe I need to be start doing something a little bit different. Anything else you'd like to highlight on this topic as we point towards wrapping this up? Nothing, nothing really too much, but as, as always, I'm, I'm available to kind of chat and talk through things or explain things a little bit further. As, um, and feel free to contact me if, if there's any questions or concerns that, that you as uh, producers might have. Well, for more information on the article that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I'd encourage you to visit the beef.unl.ed website. Again, the title of the article, Has COVID-19 Impacted Price-Weight Relationships? and the value of gain.